Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Let me get organised with all my goodies. Always got to have something in the bag. You know that, don't you? How are we all? All awake? Wriggle, wriggle. Everyone have a bit of a wriggle. Pinch the person next to you. Pinch them. Pinch them hard. Pinch them hard. Make sure they're all awake. Okay? Don't draw blood. It's not youth, Chris. We don't draw blood here. Before we start, I just want to honour and thank you. I was just praying this morning, getting ready, and I got all a bit teary. I thought, God, we have such wonderful people in this church, and I don't think we tell you enough how wonderful you are. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them they are wonderful. You are all wonderful. And do you know what? We can't do church without you guys, and I can't say enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. Sometimes people see what you do, and a lot of the time they don't see what you do in building the house of God. But we are really blessed, Greg and I, to have so many wonderful leaders and people in the church. And there's one person I wanted to really honour, but he's just outside. So when he comes back in, I'm going to honour him, okay? So if I stop and start again, you'll know why. Today, we're looking at fruitful disciples. Can we have that PowerPoint up? Okay, you've seen the word thrive around the church. Well, I hope you have, because it's been there for a couple of years now. And if you haven't seen it, you must be blind, because it's there as you walk in the door. Look at your bulletin. Grab your bulletin, if you haven't already thrown it on the floor. It says thrive on the front. Okay, but I wonder, if we see the word, we actually, how often we actually think about what that really means as a Christian, to thrive or flourish, to actually become more like Jesus and live our everyday lives the way he lived it. Do you know that very little of Jesus's ministry occurred within the walls of the church? So today I want to have a look at, we're going to first look inward a little bit, but then outward, because I'm a real outward looking person. And those of you that know me, um, I just love what the church can be in the world. And that's kind of my my passion, I think, in life. So we're going to look at the opportunities that we have to be light and salt. But let's pray. God, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to speak before this amazing church. And Lord, I just give it all to you. I surrender my words to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take the words, implant them into people's hearts, inspire them, encourage them, Lord, to be everything they can be in your kingdom. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Okay. So for any plant to thrive or flourish and produce fruit, it's got to be planted in good soil. We all know that. It's not rocket science, is it? And it needs a healthy root system. And the same can be said for us as Christians. We too need to be planted in good soil. And I hope that there's some good soil in this church for you to get planted into. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 says this. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought 
and never fails to bear fruit. That's a great scripture, isn't it? It really is. So before I go on to my first point, here's my man just walked in. Ken, I'm going to really embarrass you. I'm sorry. But um, I just wanted, I just said thank you to the church for who they are. But I just really wanted to honor you today. Um, I don't know if many of you know Ken. Ken's come alongside us in the office and in so many ways as just a really good, solid, faithful um, servant of Christ. So I thank you. You think you don't make much difference. He comes to the office and just helps out, says to Greg, what can I do? And there's always a list of things to do. Don't ever ask me for something to do because I'll have a list this big. And any of you who know me know that's true. And same with Greg. But Ken genuinely says, what can I do around the place? So we give him the list and he just ticks it off. One by one, he just does those things, little jobs around the place. So can you just clap and honour Ken? Um, Thanks, Ken. We appreciate you and thank you for what you do. Okay, my first thought for today is to be fruitful, we need a healthy root system. The root system of a tree provides support and nourishment. So if we want to thrive in our lives, we have to have a healthy root system. Joyce Meyer says this, which I really like, where there's a rotten root, there will always be rotten fruit. We must be rooted in Jesus Christ. So when our identity and our Christian foundations are strong in Jesus and the Word of God, then our lives will be fruitful and will produce the good fruit. Now, you all know John 15. Okay, it's all about the true vine. And there we are. That's just a little bit of it up there. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And that's exactly what Kathy and Ron were talking about before. Remaining in him is where we get our strength. So we're encouraged to remain or abide in Jesus. Stay close with him. Stay joined with him. So to propagate a tree or a vine, nurserymen, what they do is they often graft one plant into the rootstock of another. And the resulting plant has the best qualities of both the plants. The tissue of each has to come into contact with each other, otherwise the graft doesn't take. It's a little bit like a skin graft, I suppose. When you take graft uh, skin from one place, put on another, they have to join together. Okay, I love this picture because it beautifully illustrates our relationship to Christ. We too are grafted into the vine. And if you look in Romans eleven seventeen. Paul is speaking to the Gentile believers and he says this, which I love. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, how many of you are wild olive shoots today? I reckon there's a few wild ones out there. Ha ha, snigger, snigger. Um, You've been grafted in amongst the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root but the root supports you. I really like that. You can just ponder on that for ages. He says, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. And Jesus is our strength and support. And when we are rooted in his love, when our identity and our security is found in him and not through other means, then we can flourish. And the fruit that will be seen will be good fruit. And we're going to talk a little bit more about fruit in a minute. But 
If we look in Hebrews 12:15, we see it says, "See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many." Okay, no bitter root. And Deuteronomy again talks about it in 29:18. Make sure that there is no man or woman, clan or tribe amongst you today, whose heart turns away from the Lord our God. And worship the gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root among you that produces bitter poison. Pretty tough words, aren't they? Bitter root, poison. So what are they talking about? So the roots of a tree are basically invisible. You get the odd tree, maybe like a fig, that has those roots that are on the surface. But most of the roots are underneath the ground. You don't see what is holding a tree up. Some of these big trees out there in the backyard... They're huge, but you don't see a single root, do you? And that's the same with us. Our, the roots of our life are invisible to others. But what happens is that the fruit of our life is on display to see. But the fruit that's displayed comes from the roots that are deep down in each of our hearts. So when we have a bitter root, like the Bible talks about in Hebrews, such as rejection, or unforgiveness, or pain due to our um, hurts, pain, circumstances, all those things that go on, what happens? That pain manifests itself as things like jealousy, anger, hatred, judgment, unhealthy and destructive behavior, such as self-harm, addictions, insecurity, depression, a critical spirit, all those things. So the verse in, in Deuteronomy calls it poison, and that's exactly what it is. And when we've got those roots deep down in our, in our heart, we've got to get them out. And sometimes you need help to get them out. So you might wonder why your life, you're angry. You see people, they're just angry, angry people. I believe that deep down in their heart, there's something down there. The root is in there that needs to be ripped out and then good fruit can come from that. So the Holy Spirit is our counsellor. And he, you can ask him to help you look within and maybe trace back what some of these emotions are that's going on in your world. But you know what? Sometimes we get stuck and we do need help. So that's when you need to go to a counsellor or talk to a trusted friend. Someone you, you trust and has got wisdom can help you process some of that stuff. They're deep-rooted and they sometimes take a while to get out. Who's ever been gardening? I love gardening when... I hate that pennyweed. I hate that pennyweed that gets in that garden up there. But I tell you what I do like is when I get hold of it and it rips up and up and up it comes and it comes up and it's got all the roots attached and it's like, yes, I've got it. Because if you don't get the root, the stupid pennyweed just comes back up again. Come back next Sunday and it's growing again. And you know what? That's what it's like for us. Those of us that have those anger issues or whatever they are, you know what they are. If you don't get down to that big root, you go okay for a little while, then down you go again. Same as you get a trigger and off it goes again. So can I encourage you, get with God, get with a a friend, a counsellor, dig deep, get down, get those roots out so you can see some thriving fruit in your life. So today's question is, what's the condition of your root system of your life? Have you been abiding in the vine lately? I love what Kathy and what you said today just fits in beautifully with what I'm talking about. They found themselves out here, maybe not abiding in the vine. 
the fruit of your life, does it indicate that there might be a problem with a bitter root somewhere lodged deep? And if so, do something about it. So just jot it down there. So the second thing is, is exactly what I've been talking about, the fruit of our lives. Jesus speaks to his disciples in Matthew 7. And he talks about in seven verses 15 to 19 about how a false prophet can be identified. He says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So this should be a scary thought for us as disciples of Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known as a false prophet. Do you? I really don't want people to look at me and go, she's a false prophet. So what basically Jesus is saying there, when people look at your lives, they'll, you'll be recognized by your fruit, whether it be good fruit or bad fruit. Our lives are on display for all to see. And I wonder, the people that are looking at your life day in, day out, and me included, what do they see? Are they seeing the fruit of a Christ-centered life? Or are they seeing a hypocritical life, one that doesn't reflect our supposed faith? It's a really big question. How are we out there in our little worlds? What's the fruit like? German... uh, Jesus' sermon on the mount, go figure. Actually, I know where that came from. <laughs> Trying to teach myself German. <laughs> it's not going very well, as you can see. <laughs> Got this little do-it-yourself German thing going on. And um, so sorry, I don't know where that came from. It must be in my subconscious German. German, so sorry about that. Jesus' sermon on the mount, which you can read, it does, it rhymes in Matthew chapters 5 to 7, pretty much lays out how we should live our lives. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. If you've read it before, go back and read it again. Matthew chapters 5 to 7. If you want to know how to live your life as a Christian, just read that. It pretty well says it all. And along with many other things, he says, we are called to be salt and light as his disciples. Light that shines in the darkness of people's lives and light for the path that shows them the way. And salt that brings flavor and preserves the goodness in the world. So if we are to be light and salt in our community and world, we've got to live our lives with integrity. Absolutely. We can't live our lives with compartments. We can't have a life that is like this on a Sunday. We dress up and we look really nice and we all lovely hug each other. Oh, beautiful. Then we go to work on Monday and we live a totally different life. Or when we go home to our kids and our husbands and families, We act a different way. That is not being integrous in who we are, okay? So I'm throwing a few challenges out there for you today, folks, in a nice way, of course. Um, Our lives as Christians must be marked by honesty, openness, and conduct. We must try our best to live our lives 24-7 the way Jesus would want us to, our public life being the same as our private life. I read this during the week. This is a bit scary. Live your life as if everything would be exposed on the front page of the newspaper. How would you like that? Port Stevens Examiner. Chris Clum. Exposed. Um, pretty scary. 
that's a, that's a thought. You should all think about that one. Okay, it'd be a good read, Chris reckons. <laughs> Probably would be a really good read, but would it be in the right? Would it be glorifying to God, Chris? It would. It would. I know it would be. But that's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? The things we do at home when we think when no one's watching, what would that look like displayed all over the Port Stephens Examiner? Integrity is when our lives, our words and our hearts are all in agreement and there's no great difference between our public and private lives. So if someone was to take a snapshot of your private life and put it on the front page of the examiner, you'd have nothing to worry about. That's integrity. That's living with integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody is watching. It's a lifelong struggle and a challenge. And just before Jesus addresses the issue of the false prophets, we read this in verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You all know these verses. They're all just very common verses we hear about but sometimes I think we read them and we don't really take time to think about what they mean. Living a fruitful Christian life requires us to make choices. In this verse Jesus tells us that most people will take the easy road, the popular way, the way with no boundaries, the selfish road rather than make choices to go down the narrow road. But what does it say? This is the way to life. The narrow road is the way to life. So it's about making choices that keeps us on that narrow road rather than going with the crew, especially you young people. It's so easy to go on the broad road, go the way everyone else is going because it's cool. But what's the Bible say? It leads to destruction, the narrow road. When you make those good choices, when you make the choices that your friends aren't doing, but you're going to make a choice that honors God, that's the narrow road and that's what Jesus said leads to life. So if we're going to be light and salt, we need, as disciples, we can't withdraw from the world into a little Christian subculture. It'd be really nice when if we could just all live like we do on Sundays. We all love each other and we're so kind and loving, which is beautiful, but that's what we need to be like out in our communities every day. We don't want to lock ourselves away because the world can be a bit scary sometimes when you're a Christian. All those people that drink and do drugs and whatever they do, and they do. That's the way a lot of people live their life. They're lost. They don't know how to do life. So we can't lock ourselves up in here. We've got to get out there amongst it. But we've got to remain distinctive. This is the trick. We don't get out there and become like everybody else. How are they going to know you're any different if you're out there doing what everyone else is doing? Okay? So you've got to remain distinctive. You've got to remain who you are, but not be in a little Christian subculture. If we're to be known by our fruit, good or bad, then let's make sure we're displaying the good fruit of Christ in our lives. Jesus says in John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So there it is. Love should be the banner over our lives. Everything we do should be motivated by love for Jesus and one another, whether it be here in church, in our everyday lives, or with our families, our friends, our community. And if you don't know what love's all about, it's not that gooey, gushy thing that we read about and we look at the movies and think everybody's just in love all the time. 1 Corinthians 13 will tell you what love is really all about. 
It's about patience, kindness, doesn't envy, doesn't boast. It's not self-seeking, it's not proud, all those things. When we're led by the Spirit of God and leading our lives with integrity of heart and mind, when we have a merciful attitude of humility, along with a thirst for righteousness and purity of heart, then we begin to see some of the fruit that Paul talks about in Galatians. And this is a scripture you all know. The fruits of the Spirit, there they are. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here they are. They're the fruits that people should be seeing in our lives. These are the things that make us distinctive, make us stand out from the crowd, having these things in our lives. Remember we talked about the false prophet being known by their fruit? So if others were to look at you, how do you reckon you'd go with all these nine if they're the little markers of being a Christ-like person? Interesting, isn't it? What kind of conclusion would people make about you and your faith if they took a little snapshot of your life? Would they be drawn to Jesus through the example of your life? Because that's what it's all about, folks. It's about pointing people to Jesus and we're it. Sometimes we're the only Jesus that people are ever going to see. So let's make sure it's a good one. We're good examples. Um, So the fruits of the Spirit, they've got two there. Love is the first one and self-control is the last one. And I reckon they're like bookends. Okay, you've got bookends like this. Holds everything together. Love on this hand, self-control on this hand. If If you forget all the ones in the middle, just start with those two, I reckon, is a good start. Because Jesus says to us to be fruitful, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and love people as you would yourself. He summed up all the commandments and he said, if you can do this, you'll do well in life. So that's one thing to remember. Love the way Jesus would. And put, putting the personal disciplines in place, things like prayer and reading the word, fasting, solitude, making good choices, putting in boundaries... They're all the self-control things that we need to do as Christians. You can be loving and kind and all those things, but if you haven't got the self-control to say no to things and to actually start putting boundaries in your life, you won't bear the fruit. So we're just looking at ways of getting you thriving and fruitful, okay? So remember those two bookends. None of us are perfect, and I would be the first one to admit that I am very, very far from it. But as a whole, I reckon if our lives are reflecting those fruits, we're probably be doing okay. <laughs> so don't be too hard on yourselves. But let's not be hypocritical. Let's not say we're Christians and believe God and we love Jesus, but then live our life totally different, okay? This is a great quote by John Stott. I like this. When Jesus is Lord of all our beliefs, opinions, ambitions, standards, values and lifestyle, then we are integrated Christians. Then integrity marks our life. And only when he is Lord do we become whole. So that's what it's all about, becoming whole in him. So there's your checklist. When you go home, sit down, look at all those nine, and just give yourself a little rating. No one's going to see it. But if you're like Kathy and Ron, you could probably get together, and you could be open and honest and share it with each other. And then you could ask them how they think you're going. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? I asked Greg... <laughs> I'd probably rate myself really highly. And then if I was honest and asked Greg, he'd probably rate me quite differently. Patience and gentleness would probably be two areas in my life that probably I struggle a little bit with. 
Um, but I'm getting there. I'm nowhere where I was, but I'm certainly not where Jesus wants me to be. Okay, third point we're going to look at. And Greg, I'm going to need you to hand out those things, not yet, but soon. Um, mobilizing fruitful disciples. If we are to be the salt of the earth, as Jesus says, we need to get out of the salt shaker. And yes, I have a salt shaker. Couldn't do this message without a salt shaker, but where am I going to put it? That's interesting. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> the church is like a um, salt shaker. Okay, this is a very nice one, isn't it? Very pretty. But let's have a look at the church mission statement. I wonder how many of you actually know the church mission statement. I'm not going to quiz you, but how many of you do know it? A few? Yeah, a few little hands kind of going, oh, I think I might. Hope the leaders do because there'll be a quiz on it at our next leadership meeting. <laughs> this is the church mission statement. To reach and positively influence our community and world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people, and loves life. It's not that hard, is it, really? So, we come to church to connect with God in worship, just like Tristan was saying, to learn more, to grow in Him, to celebrate, to connect with each other and be equipped. But the church is like the salt shaker. It's all good, but it's no good unless the salt actually comes out of the salt shaker. I'll just pull a little bit there, Greg, okay? I know we'll get a bit upset with me if I make a mess. But um, see it coming out? Yay, sorry. Then it begins to taste. And salt, I know salt's not good for you if you have too much of it, but it's really good on certain food, isn't it? Try eating a boiled egg without salt. I know all the health people would probably tell you, but it needs a little bit of salt. It tastes so much better. So imagine the world when we get out there and shake a little bit of Jesus over everybody. It'll just taste, their life will taste so much better. Just brush the salt off here so I can see. Um, okay. So for salt to do what it has to do, it's got to get out of the shaker. Okay, so we, the church, is the shaker. We've got to get out there. So church is a great place for people to come. They get restored and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then you get sent out to do what I've called marketplace ministry. Everyone say marketplace ministry. Marketplace ministry. Because you're all ministers of the gospel. Do you know that? Greg and I are not the only ministers in this place. We might have a little bit of paper or a title that says, yes, we're pastors. But you are all ministers of the gospel. And you are all equipped. And that's our job as pastors here in the church, is to equip you, the saints, to do the work out in the community in the world. In Ephesians 4, we read about, it was him that gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up and reach maturity. The Christian disciples of prayer and fasting, all that sort of stuff, is done in private. But good works is done in public. And this is where I'm going with this one. We're going to talk about some good works. Okay, we've got to get out there and be a positive influence out in our community. In James 2, we read about, in the same way, faith by itself, if not as accompanied by action, is dead. So someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you where my faith, I will show you my faith by what? I do. And again, 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, 
but with actions and in truth. So don't get mistaken here. We are saved by grace through faith to do good works that God has prepared for in advance for us to do. We're not saved by our good works. The gift of salvation is free. You don't have to do anything at all. You don't have to work. You don't have to do a single thing other than open up your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. But once you're saved, guess what? Jesus has got some good works for us to do. And good works is often about changing people's perspective of who God is and how they see the church. And often I think it's about building trust. Our actions can open hearts and minds to the gospel when our faith is not just a theory, but it actually means something to us. Don't you think? See Jimmy nodding. I hope you agree with that one. Yep, that's good. We must aspire to be Christians who not only raise our hands in worship to God on Sundays, but we have a deep desire to stretch our hands out to others every other day of the week. It's all about keeping a good balance. We don't want to do one without the other. We don't want to be all spiritual and we don't want to be all good works. We want to have them nicely balanced in what we do. And I've quoted this John Maxwell quote, I don't know how many times in church, but I really love it and I do believe it. People don't care how much you know until until they know how much you care. So caring and loving people then opens up the way for you to maybe bring Jesus into their world. Very rarely is it firstly preaching at them. I think sometimes I'll just back off. So we've got to love them and serve them. Um, And as Francis of Assisi is attributed as saying, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. That's a great statement. I reckon we should all put that on our fridge, the beauty. Okay, there's so many new undiscovered ways to reach and touch our community. Our job is to find them. So to get you started, Tristan just whipped this up little thing for me. So Greg, can you hand these around? This is not anything too profound. It's 10 ways to bless your community. Put it on your fridge. It's an individual thing. Really, really simple. Things like provide childcare for a couple so they can go out on a date. Mow your neighbor's yard. Bring some goodies to work to share. Hand make a gift for someone. Send flowers to someone with a little note. Buy nappies for a family with young children. It's not very spiritual, is it? But do you know what? These are the sort of things that can bless somebody. So take those home with you. That's just for you individually. And imagine if we're all doing that in our own little worlds, in our communities, in our sporting affiliations, in our local neighborhood. We can really make a difference. So that's you guys being mobilized individually just to have that caring heart for others. So I'm going to take a moment to look at the church and what we're doing in, um, in our local community because my role has kind of morphed over the years and I'm very much what I would call, I suppose, a community pastor. So my eyes are always outward looking at our community and how the church can be a blessing. And this light and salt thing, I think it could be an equation. Light plus salt equals blessing. That's the way I've done it anyway. don't know if that's true, but that's the way I'd like to think of it. So I'm going to run through some of the things that um, the church does. Some photos will come up later. I want you to think about what maybe you you may already be involved, but um, 
Better still, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to maybe seed something new in you. You might see all the, hear these things the church is doing and none of that interests me. Maybe there's something special that God's going to do through you in the church. So ministry areas that we're already doing that are outreach focused is Voltage and Youth. The young guys do a great job every Friday touching the lives of young people, helping them make the choice to go through the narrow gate rather than stay on the broad road that leads to destruction. Connecting them to Jesus the vine. That's what they do. That's why they do what they do every Friday. Strength and Shine is the program for young people in um, local high schools, helping vulnerable young men and women know their worth and look forward to a future filled with hope rather than despair. Fall in Love, Stay in Love is a marriage course that Greg and I designed and run. And it's not just for church couples. It's for community couples because we want them to have thriving marriages. We just don't want them to have ordinary marriages. We want them to really thrive. Cooking capers under the beautiful Lynn Osler. Cooking lovely homemade meals for the church freezer to be handed out for those in need. I've written down here, Lynn, love on a plate, so to speak. And that's what I reckon it is. It really opens the way to someone's heart when you provide them with a meal. Now, you might be already part of that cooking, but you might like to cook at home. Just talk to Lynn. You can cook the meal and pop it in the freezer. Now, we hand those out to church people when we've got all kinds of things going on, and we also hand them out to community families. And I've let the Yakaba Centre in Nelson Bay know that we do that, and they're going to ring if ever they need emergency meals, which is great. Toiletry packs that we do for the Yakaba Centre, we've been doing them for years. They get handed out to women who are escaping domestic violence and they just need something to get them through. You can donate some toiletries to that. Mainly music is run here on a Friday morning and I believe it's a real blessing to parents and families that come. We've got up to 60 registered families every week that come and go and um, we get the opportunity every week to serve them. There's some of them. We get to wear cool, really cool costumes and all sorts of things. But we serve them. We get to know these families. Yes, we do music and all that stuff. But we get to know them and we look for opportunities to bless these families. That's where the meals are wonderful, pastoral care is involved, all sorts of things. So um, we're hopefully flavoring and coloring their world with Jesus. Okay, so they're the regular things the church is doing, week in, week out. So between now and the end of the year, I sat down and wrote down some of the opportunities that we've got. You can can get involved with reaching our community and positively influencing our world. I'm in the middle of trying to organise a cyber safety night with with Troy and Katie's help. Um, Helping parents, community parents, negotiate the minefield of social media with their children. There's a lot of boundaries and things that are being crossed left, right and centre. So I think we can be a lighthouse and help really resource... um, parents in this community with that father's day every year mainly music can we just go back one Luke, please there it is every year on the saturday of the um, father's day weekend we do a father's day family breakfast for all our mainly music families and we get about we get a lot of them we have an annual paper airplane throwing competition and all the dads come and they bring their grandfathers and it's a really lovely day and it's a great opportunity to meet some of the families. So I invite you to come along, bring your family. I don't mind how many come. Just come along and be involved and get to know some of these family that we're ministering to every week. Um, The women 
are hosting, Baylife Women are hosting a beautiful high tea in September. Now, this is for church women, but it's also for our community women because we want to enlarge their world. We want to, we want to bring to them some of the issues that are happening in the world of people less fortunate, and it gives us an opportunity to expand their world and help them see things differently from our perspective. Um, life group projects. Can we run through that one, Luke? Here we go. Two of our life groups recently have overhauled and cleaned up a couple of um, neglected yards. That their property is owned by the Yakabar Counselling Centre and the women go into these houses. Often they're escaping situations at home that aren't very good and they need somewhere to live. And the last thing they want to do is look after their yard so they get a bit run down. So we put our hand up and um, we went in there and pulled weeds and cut and did whatever. We even had some of the kids come and join us. Um, Look, there was no fanfare, no pat on the back, no nothing, nothing on the front page of the paper. We just did it because we wanted to be a blessing. And um, if you're part of a life group or you lead a life group, I challenge you to be looking for opportunities. It doesn't have to be always working in someone's yard, but you don't have to look very far to find somebody that could do with a hand somewhere and a group of people can get in there and really make a difference in their life. And if you're not in a life group at all, Get connected to one or start one. Start one of your own. Get a group of people together and be on the lookout of how we can be a blessing. The lady that um, owned this place, she couldn't believe it. She kept coming out on the veranda. She's very arthritic and she just said, oh, can't believe you're doing this. Thank you so much. I don't know how many times she said thank you, thank you, thank you for what we did. So it was a real blessing to do that. Annabay School, just around the corner has a couple of little jobs over there that they need doing. They're not big jobs at all. A bit of timber here, there and everywhere and some painting. Um, we're liaising with them at the moment. Probably in October, we'll probably do a Saturday morning, probably two hours. A few of us in there get the job done, makes their life a little bit easier over there as well. This year, our church is running carols at Fly Point. Last year, we didn't have um, the community carols, but this year, it's our turn. And it's going to be a great blessing. And already the community has noticed that it wasn't on last year. So it's a really big deal. The creative team really carries most of it. But um, all of us can get on board and help and do whatever we need to do. And let's shine the light of Jesus over our community at Christmas. Um, In October, next one, Luke, please. Bogabilla. Yay. Went up to Bogabilla. It's fantastic. This is a new initiative of the church with Troy and Katie very much involved with this. Far northern New South Wales is a little community of Bogabilla. And this lovely couple here are the pastors. They've been there for something like 13 years, is it? Ministering into that community. Well, we've decided that we're going to get on board with them and give them a little hand. So um, in October, we haven't quite got all the details organised. A group of us are going to go back up again and just love upon, especially these kids, It's the kids in the community that we're reaching out to. So that's another opportunity there you can get involved with. Um, And the last one is the Philippines. There they go. Look at this. All the um, baptisms. That was last year, I think. It's a great opportunity. We go to the Philippines every second year around Easter time to do a, a, a youth conference. And it's an amazing opportunity to be a blessing in this community. They love Jesus in this community. They just don't have the resources to go beyond their own little village. And all the youth come from across the whole island to this youth conference. So Greg's looking for a team. 
to go early, when is it, that March, April, whenever Easter is next year. So I'd love you to pray about whether it's something that you can get involved with or you can support someone else to go. Okay, it is about young people, but we want young people and old people. We can still do things. We're not over the hill yet. So um, be praying about that one. So there's a pretty big list there, isn't there, of what the church is actually doing. And it can look exhausted, exhausting when you see it all laid out like that. But do you know what? You don't have to be involved with everything. None of us are. They're just opportunities. And each one of us is different. We're unique. We've got different passions. We've got different giftings. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. God's put you all here to do your little bit in the body. And sometimes it's just finding the right fit. So I just thought I'd throw it all out there for you. But just let you know that the church is not just about us. It's not about our little comfort zone and staying all nice and comfy in church. It's about getting out and being a positive influence in our community. And as I finish, the words of Galatians 6 to 9 come to mind. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Okay, so we've got to stay rooted in Christ, have good, healthy roots to produce good fruit that others are seeing, and then we've got to get out of the salt shaker and be salt in our world. So as the band comes, I just want to finish with this beautiful little thing I read about Martin Luther King, and I want you to meditate on this as we finish up. Martin Luther King, as you know, was an amazing social reformer. He did amazing things in the States by bringing equality for the black population. He, um, he preached this sermon two months before he was assassinated, and then it was read at his funeral. So I hope you are challenged by it. Every now and then, I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized with what is life's final common denominator, that thing we call death. We all think about it, and every now and then I think about my own death. And I think about my own funeral. And I don't think of it in a morbid sense. Every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want said? And I leave this word to you this morning. If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, let them not talk too long. Every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That's not important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King tried to love somebody. I want you to say that that day that I tried to be the right on the war question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to say that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were imprisoned. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all the other shallow things won't matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he's travelling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If 
I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world overwrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. Lord, as we come before you, God, you know our heart. God, we just want to love people. And that stems from having our being and our identity and our security rooted in you, Jesus. So I just pray for everyone here today, God, that they would put those roots down deep. Lord, if they're not healthy roots, God, they would get help and get rid of those bitter roots so that we would all have healthy fruit in our lives, God, that would draw others unto you and that you would be glorified. Because that's what we want to do, Jesus. We want to glorify you, build your kingdom side by side, Lord, heart to heart with everybody here. We want to be salt. We want to be light. And we just want to make you famous in this place. In Jesus' name, we pray. And just before we finish, I just want to put out that call. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you've been close but you've never really, really made that choice and you know it's time to step over, I just want to give you that opportunity as with all eyes closed, to slip your hand up. It's all it takes. It's just a decision. It'll be the best decision ever in your life. So I'll just give you that moment. Is there anyone here today that would like to make that decision to follow Christ? No, fantastic. All good and saved and ready to serve God. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.